Hey, it's Seeking Plum. Yesterday, I asked you which sense would you tweak if you could. And I learned that birds can see the electromagnetic structure of the sky via polarization. I was wondering exactly what that looks like, what they see. I, <laughs> I even went so far as to break it down with some crazy theories and ideas. Well, Sentient Future called and he gave a little insight. Hey Seeking Plum, it's Alan with Sentient Future. I think I found something on the internet that will interest you. In Wikipedia, I'd like you to search the Rayleigh Sky Model. Rayleigh is spelled R-A-Y-L-E-I-G-H, and then Sky Space Model. In that Wikipedia article shows a visual of the polarization of light in the daytime sky. Think of a wave on a string. If the string is pointed away from you, then the waves are either left and right, or up and down, or a combination of the two. At different angles to the sun, the Earth's atmosphere, similar to polarizing sunglasses, polarizes the light and forces those waves to be in a single plane. So if you're looking at the string, maybe just left and right, or just up and down. The article describes the geometry more specifically, relative to the sun's position. But it is that continuum of light that the birds look at, some directions being more polarized than others. You can liken the effect to a color gradient. I hope that helps. You were right, Alan. This, this was interesting, and it gives a better frame of reference. So thanks for calling in. So what I've learned since yesterday is that birds can see far more color than we can, so even into the UV range. Also, they can see polarization, like I mentioned. As an aside, I've been wearing polarized sunglasses for as long as I can remember. There are definitely times when I see things or don't see things that you wouldn't expect. There's this kind of speckled rainbow pattern that shows up on the side windows of cars. If you have polarized lenses, you know what I'm talking about. And there are certain screens that when you look at them with your polarized lenses, you simply can't see them. I mean, you can see the screen, you can't see what it's showing you. I presume for security purposes. They usually are things like ATMs or point of sales uh, keypads. The polarized lenses can also make the blue sky bluer and greens look greener. But again, I think it's because it's taking away any of the reflection, not necessarily because it's making those colors any richer. Anyway, with this thinking, I then moved it into the realm of birds, and I thought for some reason that they had this same kind of perception, but maybe amped up. What I think I have failed to perceive or understand is that there's two ways of them perceiving the world. At least that's how I've understood things now after reading about the Rayleigh sky model and more about the polarization that they see. See, depending on where the sun is in relation to where they are, so the time of day and the season, it creates this pattern and they use that for navigation. But then there's also seeing similar to the way we do with polarized lenses, where they're now looking at everything else, not just this big pattern in the sky. Oh, and parenthetically, that pattern that's created in the sky, it's independent of whether there are clouds or not. And this pattern, it rotates as the day goes along. And what's also cool is the pattern still exists 
when the sun sets and the moon is there, it's just not as bright or as prevalent. So I guess what I'm trying to express is that they see things, this macular view with polarization, which is the sky model, and then they have this more granular view, which is everything else they can still see using polarization. And I think yesterday, I somehow had smushed it all together into this messy pile of, I don't, I don't even know what. And I'm not saying that this is any clearer or any more uh, <laughs> accurate, but it's not as far off in La La Land as I was yesterday. Hey, Seeking Plum, it's Patrick from We Live on a Planet. Um, I love your type of thinking. I think it's fun. I like how you think of one thing, it will make you think of another. And so since you were talking of vision, it made me think of the mantis shrimp and the way they see. So check out the mantis shrimp and look them up and uh, whatever search engines you like to use and in your comfort, check out how they see with some pretty groovy things. Also, if I could have the power of a creature, like some mutant ability, like I think I'd be mantis man. Well, I don't want to look like a mantis shrimp, but the punch of a mantis shrimp? Well, you're looking at their vision. Check out that. You probably know about it, how they punch, like, as hot as the sun, cavitation, all that kind of good stuff. Check that out. Thanks again. I like your type of thinking, and uh, you made me think, and now I want to make you think. Thanks. So, this is funny, Patrick. When I looked up the mantis shrimp, I learned it has another name. One I recognized from the Deviate book. When Lotto was talking about the reindeer and the birds, he also mentioned the mantis shrimp, but he used that other name that I can't pronounce for the life of me. So for those not familiar with this creature, it has incredible eyes. For a little perspective, humans have three color receptive cones. These critters, they've got 16. 12 for analyzing color, and 4 for analyzing polar polarizing light. Their eyes are also mounted on stalks capable of moving independently of each other. Pretty much, they're considered the most complex eyes in the animal kingdom. But let's take a minute and just check these little creatures out. So, mantis shrimps typically grow to around 10 centimeters or 3.9 inches in length. Now, keep that in mind. A few can reach 38 centimeters or 15 inches, but like I said, typically it's about 10 centimeters or 3.9 inches. So sometimes they're called prawn gillers or thumb splitters because they can do some serious damage. We're talking spearing, stunning, or dismembering. And listen to this, in captivity, some of the larger species, they can break through aquarium glass. So generally speaking, there are two different kinds, smashers and spearers. Depending what type they are, their appendages might be just a little bit different. But this, this is just so crazy to me. So a smasher, for instance, basically is using their appendage like a club. Now remember, these guys, they're really tiny. We're talking like approximately four inches. But when they wind up that club to clobber something, get this, they accelerate at 102,000 meters per second squared, 
or 335,000 feet per second squared. That's acceleration. And they reach speeds <laughs> of 83 kilometers an hour or 51 miles per hour from a standing start. So because they strike so fast, they create these vapor-filled bubbles between their appendage and what they're hitting. And that's called cavitation bubbles. Excuse me, bubbles. What's crazy is that when they hit whatever they're aiming for, right afterward, they also get hit by these cavitation bubbles. So they get a double whammy. And apparently, if their strike misses, they can still get hit by these bubbles. So <laughs> you're pretty much screwed. They attack snails, crabs, rock oysters, mollusks, and just crack those shells to pieces. The spear types, though, they like softer animals, like fish. Patrick, when you said you wanted the abilities of Amanda Shrimp, but you didn't want to look at, like one, <laughs> I laughed. But then as I was reading about them, <laughs> all I could picture was like, <laughs> this is so crazy, but like, your hand morphing into this like huge Thor-like hammer, <laughs> but it can move at these insane rapid speeds even though it's massive. <laughs> and like wham, when you hit something, then you've got like these, yeah, bubbles coming behind you, even if it might be bubbles of air within air rather than bubbles in water. Anyway, you... <laughs> You were a power to, to reckon with. It was, uh, yeah, that is quite an image there, Patrick. Uh, yeah, I, I honestly, I had no clue about the mantis shrimp. I mean, I, I had obviously read about their eyes in the Deviate book, but I didn't know about their punching ability. The more I learn, the more I realize how much of reality we do not perceive. On my way home today from running a few errands, in the blue sky, I saw a few birds and I couldn't help but remember all of these things that, you know, we're thinking about. Trying to imagine the Rayleigh sky model, you know, with my vision overlaid on the blue sky. Impossible, but fun to imagine nonetheless. Thank you for your call and for telling me to check this out, Patrick. It was, it was fun. <laughs>